you go ahead and have a seat this morning while Call By Name takes a seat. And uh, remember, it's uh, kids' camp time out there, so take advantage of that as well. All right. Well, it's still uh, summertime, even though some of our college kids are already heading back to school and getting all oriented back in those dinky little dorm rooms that they get used to real quick, right? Uh, but for us, it's still summertime, so we're still doing some, uh, some sightseeing. And uh, today we're going to make a little shift because uh, we've kind of been up by the Sea of Galilee with Jesus and Capernaum, you remember that? And, and most recently we spent a lot of time around Jerusalem and the experiences of Jesus there. Um, today we're going to shift to a different place, and uh, it's not even a place where Jesus went. It's not even part of his experience, but it is a place that I think gives us a, a word and a message uh, that applies to our tomorrow, uh, because it's God working with his people. Uh, the place is called Masada. If you look at the screen in uh, the map, uh, you can see uh, kind of how it all lays out, how we've been up by the Golan Heights and the Sea of Galilee and down the River Jordan, and we've been to Jerusalem. Today we go over towards uh, the Dead Sea, and we go over to uh, Masada. Masada lies about 30 miles uh, southeast of Jerusalem in the Judean desert. And the next picture can help you get a sense uh, of that. And I uh, want you to just look not only at the huge rock and everything that's there, but look at the surroundings. What do you notice? Pretty brown, hey? Yeah, it's just brown and barren out there. And if you look uh, in, the, in the upper part there, you can see the Sea of Galilee kind of in the distance there. So it's just kind of in this, uh, not Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea uh, there in the distance. Um, uh, Masada is just this barren fortress out in the middle of the Judean uh, desert. Uh, Josephus tells us that uh, Masada uh, was built by Herod the Great. Now remember, Herod the Great was a king who was put in place uh, by a foreign power, by, by the Romans, and um, he wasn't a king that was well-loved by his people. Uh, he knew this. He was smart enough to understand that. And so his backup plan, everybody needs a backup plan, right? His backup plan was that while he was in Jerusalem, he wanted to make sure that he had another place that he could quickly retreat to in case trouble erupted in Jerusalem. So if there was a revolt of his people, what would he do? His answer was he built the fortress Masada. Now there was probably a, some kind of small fortress before he got a hold of it, but he got his engineers out there on that rock and uh, he developed, uh, created an awesome forest, uh, fortress up on, uh, on the rock. And it has absolutely everything up there. In fact, uh, uh, right about, uh, where was it? Right about, like, I think right about there, you see there's a kind of a plateau down here for the garden parties and then there's another one here and then a kind of a fortress up here. Yeah, right about there is where the hot tub is, in case you're wondering. Right, right in there. Yeah. He had this thing built so the sisters would capture all the water, not only sustain you, but you know he could go out there and, and take a bath in the warm sun. And it was just an awesome engineered, uh, constructed place. But keep in mind, it was constructed by Herod as a place for him to retreat in case of revolt. What's interesting is uh, the histori historians and the archaeologists who do the research about this have never discovered any evidence that Herod actually ever set foot at Masada. 
He just built it just in case. And it was garrisoned by uh, some uh, a Roman uh, garrison. What happened with Masada was uh, in 66 during the Common Era, so 66 years after Jesus was around, 66 years in the roughly 66 years in the Common Era, a revolt did break out. It was the beginning of the revolt that ended up in the Jewish-Roman Wars, and in 66, a group of uh, zealots, a group of fanatics, uh, who were about kicking out the Romans, uh, actually took over uh, Masada. They um, overwhelmed the garrison that was posted there, and uh, they took over Masada. Uh, the revolt continued until about uh, 70 CE, and in 70 CE, the Romans showed up in Jerusalem in force. And when they showed up in force, they just laid devastation. And so Jerusalem was basically destroyed. The walls were torn down. Uh, Herod's addition to the temple was torn down and burned. Uh, Jerusalem, for the most part, uh, was destroyed in 70. After the Romans had laid waste to Jerusalem, they turned their attention to uh, trying to find all these rebels who were out, these rebel pockets that were out there. And, of course, one of those rebels' pockets was the fortress Masada. So the Rome, uh, Romans sent the 10th legion to lay siege to Masada. If you look at the next picture, you see how it kind of lays out. Uh, the Romans uh, sent the 10th legion to lay siege. You see down in the bottom there, they set up and built a uh, base camp for them, uh, for the legion. Uh, and then, of course, Masada up on the top. And you can see how Masada is just, you know, pretty much sheer slopes, sheer rock slopes all the way around it. There's just one kind of snake path up the back to be able to get there. Um, so the Romans, in order to take Masada, had to build a siege ramp. And you can see it on the picture here. Uh, the Romans built bucket by bucket, you know, ox cart by ox cart, uh, a siege ramp so they could finally take a battering ram and uh, pierce the walls around Masada uh, and, and take it. It took them quite a while, obviously, to do that. They were in siege, uh, you know, there's some estimates about it, but roughly around two years uh, they laid siege to uh, Masada before they finally breached the walls uh, and, and conquered the rebels that were there. Oh, why Masada today? Uh, well, Masada is not only an interesting place to visit, but um, it is a symbol. Uh, the fortress itself is a symbol that, that speaks to us, and it speaks to uh, Israel today as well. One of the interesting things that happens in Israel, if you uh, join the uh, elite uh, forces in Israel and you complete the training, the last step in your training is you are taken out to Masada and you and uh, those the training with you um, make an oath there at Masada. And the oath ends with the words saying, Masada will never fall again. Isn't that awesome? Because they understand that it's not just a place, but it becomes a symbol of the need for a stronghold and a fortress. And it really is the same for us. That's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to look at Masada, but more importantly, to uh, look at the words of King David, another king in Israel, and understand our need for a fortress. Our need for a fortress. Let's look at the uh, next uh, picture here. You can see how broad the fortress is. You can see where, where the ramp went up, and yet how barren uh, it is, right? If you go to the next one, you can see 
words uh, from uh, David as he speaks in 2 Samuel. And he speaks about a fortress. Notice he says, Our Lord, our God, you are my mighty rock, my what? Fortress. You are my fortress, my protector. What did David just understand? He understood that he needed a fortress in his life. And that fortress was not a fortress made out of stone. It was the fortress of his relationship with the living God. Now, what's really interesting about this verse, you notice how he begins saying in the plural, right? Our God and our Lord. You see that? But in the next line, what does he change to? He makes it very personal, doesn't he? He goes from just God being our God, our Lord, to saying, wait a minute, you are my mighty rock, and you are my fortress, and you are my protector. You see, a fortress for us, this living relationship with God, is not some generic relationship that's just kind of out there. It is a personal relationship. It is a personal relationship that becomes the fortress, the relationship fortress that walks with us every single day. And we need that fortress. We need that fortress. Why? Because we are under attack every day. Masada was built because Herod needed to escape because he was in fear that he would be attacked, right? The reality for us is we are under attack every single day. David understood that. If you go to uh, the next uh, slide, um, he says, I prayed to you and you rescued me from whom? My enemies. You see that? David understood he had enemies. Now it would be easy for us to just kind of say, well, okay, David had enemies. Of course, like the, the Philistines, they were always crossing the border and they were always attacking and everything. Not really. David understood life deeper than that. You see, if we look at what he says in the, the next verses, uh, he makes it not just some Philistine somewhere, but he makes it a power that you and I have to deal with every single day. You see it up there? Death like ocean's waves surrounded me, and I was almost swallowed by its, by its flooding waters. Ropes from the world of the dead had coiled around me, and death had set a trap in my path. What is he dealing with? He's understanding that there is an enemy at work who is attacking us all the time. Death is at work in our world. I have proof right there. I once had hair, and it was a different color. But death has been attacked for some time. Right. Somebody just said right, didn't they? Isn't it true, folks? Death is at work in our world. We can look around and see it in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. Death is at work when we get attacked in our physical bodies with our health, when we get attacked in our relationships and we get selfishness and hard-hearted, when we get attacked in a variety of ways out there in the world and, and we come up with words like anxiety and worry and fear and depression and the list goes on, right? You see, all of that is death at work attacking us all the time in a broken world. All those things are not, you know, things that we, we uh, attribute to God and say, well, God, why did you do this? Or, or God, why, why did you make this happen? Or God, why? 
it's not about what God is doing. It's about death being at work. Death is always attacking us. And David gives us that image of how it just wraps around our life and tries to pull us down and squeeze that life out of us. We need to understand that in a broken world, death is now at work every single day. And you are under attack. And that attack wants to draw you away from the fortress relationship with the living God. What's David's answer? David's answer is to understand that we need a power in our lives that is stronger than who we are. We need a a relationship and a fortress in our lives that is stronger than who we are. Because we don't, in and of ourselves, have the strength and the capacity to overwhelm and overcome death. Look at what he says uh, back there in that second verse again. He says, Our Lord, our God, you are a mighty, my mighty rock, my fortress, my protector. You are the rock where I am safe. You are my shield. Who does he keep pointing to? It's always you, 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 right? You are God. You are this God. You are that God. Man, God, you are awesome, incredible. You are the most powerful thing in my life. You need more evidence of that. You jump down to the 18th verse, uh, and he keeps going with you are, you are, you are. It's uh, the 18th verse and onward. If we get there, there we go. Thanks, guys. You rescued me from the enemies who were hateful and too powerful for me. What were they? Too powerful for him, right? What did he need? He needed a fortress and a strength that was greater than who his self-power was. He needed something else in his life, someone more powerful that he could rely on. You rescued me from the enemies who were hateful, too powerful for me. On the day of disaster struck, they came and attacked me. But who? You defended me, and when I was fenced in, you freed me and rescued me because you loved me. What is he doing? He's pointing to something and someone greater than himself. You see, we need a fortress because we're always under attack. And that fortress is that relationship with the living God who is greater than we are. That it's not by our own strength, but it's by this strength that is greater than us when it infuses into our lives. And, and David gives us an awesome image of how strong God is. If you look at uh, the next slide, verse 16, talking about God again, he said, You roared at the sea and its deepest channels could be seen. Anybody remember an experience where all of a sudden water was parted and the people of Israel saw the bottom? Remember that Red Sea thing? Yeah, I mean, that's what he's doing, right? What he's doing, David is remembering how God has already done this before in the people of Israel's life. And he's saying, look, God, I know, I understand. You are so powerful that you can just roar and the seas will part and we can see the very bottom depths of the ocean floor. And I love the second half of the verse. He says, you snorted and the earth shook at its foundations. You sneezed. And the earth shook. How powerful does David understand 
this fortress of God's strength is. Isn't it awesome? He understands that he has the ability to reach to a strength and a power that is so far beyond him and so much stronger than he is that it can give him the ability to face the attack. It can give him the strength to face the attack. It's what comes next. It keeps him on purpose. His stronghold in this relationship keeps him on purpose. If you look at the uh, 22nd uh, verse, the 22nd verse, he shows how that purpose stays in place. Look at the 22nd, the verse phrase there. You got it? What does he say? I do what you want. Who's purpose is he doing? God's purpose, right? So he's engaged in an attack and a battle, but he's relying on a fortress and a strength that is greater than himself, and he keeps his focus on doing what the purpose is in his life. I do what you want. I'm not going to get drawn away. I'm not going to get drawn aside and do just what I want in life. I'm going to stay focused and have that that strength that comes from outside of me infuses me. I'm going to rely on my fortress and my stronghold of my relationship with you. And I am going to do, God, whatever it is you want. Look what he says. I do what you want and I never turn to do evil. I keep your laws in mind and I never turn away from your teachings. I obey you completely and I guard against sin. You see, David understands the attack, but he also understands the power that's available to him in this fortress of the relationship he has with God. And because he has that fortress, he can move forward in life. He can move forward and stay on track and stay moving forward according to what God wants to achieve in his life. Are you with me so far? Now, here's the real problem. How do we build that fortress? How does that fortress happen in our lives? You see, we build this fortress, this relationship with God, when we keep following David here, this great king. He gives us some hints from his own life of how he continued to rely on the fortress, but how he continued to re-fortify the walls of that fortress. If you follow along, in verse 31, it talks about building that stronghold with his word. He says, Your way is perfect, Lord, and your word is correct. You are a shield for those who run to you in help. But he starts out with, Your way is perfect, and your word is what? Always correct. Right? David understands that if he's going to get this power and this fortress in his life, it comes from having a relationship that is centered in the Word. Here's the question. If you accept you're under attack all the time by death, are you in the Word all the time to strengthen the fortress? See, that's what he understands. He understands you need to have the Word alive in your life. You need to have that Word constant in your life, right? Download it on the iPod. Download it on the computer. Download it wherever you need to. But have that thing on your phone and what, so you can just get the Word constantly going in your life. That's how you build the wall. That's how you build the stronghold. So when the, when the attack comes to you, you know who to call upon and you know a word to bring 
to bear on that attack. Second thing uh, David does is he builds his wall in his stronghold fortress relationship because he's constantly in conversation and in prayer with God. Notice what he says. I prayed to you and you rescued me from my enemies. Remember, he knows he has enemies and he's fighting against the enemies with God's strength because he's in conversation with God. If you jump down to the seventh verse, uh, he says it this way. I was in terrible trouble. Anybody been there? I was in terrible trouble. And when I called out to you, but from your temple you heard me and you answered my prayer. What is David about? He understands the fortress relationship that he has with the living God stays alive and flourishes and gets stronger as he's in conversation with God. As he not only makes his needs known to God, but as he allows God to speak into his life. As he allows God to speak into shaping him and forming him into the person that God wants him to be. If you want to have a strong fortress, you've got to be about having the word loose in your life and about having prayer. And here's the last one. And this is the one we miss. You're used to the first two, right? I mean, I'm supposed to tell you those. You all know those. Here's the next one. This is the one we miss most often. If you want to have a strong fortress that can deal with the attacks in your life, you need to make sure you keep praise alive in your life. You need to make praise. Look what he does in verse 4. Now notice it's verse what? 4, right? It's verse 4. He says, I praise you, O Lord. Okay, now look at the next verse. What verse is it? 47, okay? He's gone from 4 to 47. In between those two, he's gone through a whole lot of life and talking about the attacks that he's been facing in life and how he's been dealing with that in the fortress relationship he has with God. He starts out in praise, and when he gets to verse 47, what's he going back to? You are the living Lord, I will praise you. <laughs> yes, you are my rock. I will honor you for keeping me safe. You see what he's building into his life? He's building into his life the experience of praise. The experience of praise. You see, if you want to withstand the attacks, if you want to deal with the death that's always coming at you in those variety of forms in everyday life, it's because you're not only in the Word, you're not only in conversation with God, but you're in an attitude of constant praise. And look what he does uh, in, in the next one, right? Not only are you in prayer, not only are you in the Word, but you're in praise, and look what he says. I will praise you, Lord, and I will honor you where? Among the nations. What did he just do? He just moved from just having a praise that is kind of private between he and God to a praise that is public, didn't he? You see, he understood that his fortress becomes so strong when he practices this that his praise now sends out a message to the nations. It sends out a message to anybody who wants to attack him. It sends out a message to anyone who would be a foe against God in his life. He sends out a message and says, I'm not just going to be defensive. I'm going to go and become offensive. You need to understand God is my strength and on my side and I praise him. Isn't that great? You see, the praise grows in his life not only to just praise him constantly, but the praise becomes a witness. It becomes a way that he points to death and says, 
you don't have a hope here. You see, the problem with the siege of death as it works in our world is it doesn't give up. The fortress Masada, it was besieged by uh, the 10th Legion uh, of the Romans. Now, do you suppose when the 10th Legion moved there and set up camp and built all that stuff, they said, well, you know, we're just going to give this a shot for a couple months. Of course not. What did they say? We're going to keep at this, and we're going to keep at this, and we're going to keep at this until we break through those walls and take this place. You see, that's the attitude that death has. It will not give up. It will keep coming back. And David understands that he needs to send out a message to death itself and all of those who would use death in his life to say, wait a minute, it's not going to work here. It's not going to work here because my God is greater and my God is stronger and my God will never give up either. My God will never give up and my God never loses. And I will just keep praising Him and praising Him and praising Him in the midst of whatever I face. When death starts getting a hold of you, when you, when you feel it, when, when you're down, when, when death starts getting a hold of you, start praising God. Try it. Just start praising God. And you'll be amazed how those fortress walls begin to build in your moment. David understood that, and so he built praise into his life to the point that it became witness. And if there's anything that kind of captures the fortress that David has built his life on, it's these next verses. If you look at verse 32 and onward, David says, You alone are God. Only you are a mighty rock. You are my strong fortress, and you set me free. You make my feet run as fast as those of a deer, and you help me stand on the mountains. Isn't that great? You see, David understood in his own life that even though death kept attacking, eventually his fortress lifted him up above it all. Do you ever you look at Masada in the background on the picture? You see how high that rock is? You see how high that is? You see, when you let the word loose in your life, when you're in that constant prayer and conversation with God, and when you let praise really get constant in your life, your fortress, your relationship lifts you up to a higher level. And the attacks don't seem as strong anymore. And the attacks don't seem as hard anymore. And you can see beyond the attacks to the promises that God has in your life. Our God is an awesome and great God. And His love for you was shown on another mountaintop when Jesus Christ gave up His life for you so that you could overcome all the attacks of death and your life could be raised up so that you could stay on purpose with what He wants for your life and build your life with prayer and build your life with the Word and build your life with praise. Build the fortress of the relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank You.
Thank you for the opportunity we have to be a people who stand high on a rock, who have that fortress of that relationship with you that will never fail. Father, we pray today that you would just teach us. Teach us to be in that that word of yours that just brings life to us. Teach us to, to be in conversation with you and, and renewing our, our relationship with you. And teach us to just give you praise. We know the attacks will come. We know there's going to be hardships and challenges. But we are absolutely confident that you are stronger, that you are greater, that you are more powerful and that you look beyond the struggle of the moment and you put us to a high place that sees the promises that will lead to eternity. Father, we thank you, we praise you, for you are our stronghold and our fortress. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing with us.